I'm sure that you can remember a few weeks back, David was preaching on the Beatitudes and he asked the question, what were the top ten responses children aged five to ten years want to be when they grow up? When I knew I was preaching this morning, I sent an email to David earlier in the week and I asked him if he could let me have the answers. And I think from what he, he sent to me was that 22% wanted to be rich, 10% wanted to be doctors, and 6% didn't want to be anything at all. And of course there were things in between those. But I'm sure that if I asked you a similar question this morning about what would you like to be the answers I would get would be very different I think the answers personally for me would be I'd like to be thinner I'd like to have less silver streaks in my hair which cost me a fortune to get covered up and I'd like to have the energy that I had 30 years ago. The point is this, generally we're not satisfied with who we are since we always want to be someone else. I can remember as a child asking my parents, why did you call me Pauline? Why didn't you name me Patricia? Patricia was my best friend at school. And I looked up to my best friend. She was the cleverest girl in the class. Her mother was the mayoress of Harrow. And she got to drive around in the mayor's Rolls Royce occasionally. But also she had her own bedroom, unlike me who had to share with my sister. Patricia was everything that I wasn't. My parents' reply was, Well, Paul, there's a lovely little girl who lived in our road. The family have moved away, but her name was Pauline. Oh, and she was the sweetest child you could ever see. She was small and dark and had curly hair and big brown eyes. Okay, moi? No, not in any way. I'm larger than life, as you all know, and my eyes certainly aren't brown. So I began to ask, was I a disappointment to my parents? I looked up the meaning of what my name meant. And it says, Pauline, the power of expression either in speaking or writing, enjoys studying, research, you are clever, clear-sighted and intellectual and you don't like others to know your true feelings, you are comforting, appreciative and affectionate well that's the bit I wrote I made up because what it really said is Pauline means little small so I started looking up some other names 
Patricia, my best friend, it means noblewoman. Marjorie means pearl. Robert or Bob means famous. And Chris means follower of Christ. Are there any guesses as to what David means? Beloved, that's right, yes. In the reading that we've just had, you can see that the way we look at ourselves and others is very different from the way that God sees us. And the key verse in that reading is in verse 7. The Lord doesn't see things the way, we, the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the, the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel had been called by God to anoint the first two kings of Israel. And the first king was Saul. And he was a very insecure man. And instead of trying to, to do the will of God, he seemed more intent on pleasing the people of Israel. And he needed constantly their affirmation to feel good about himself. And it didn't work. It seldom does. I'm coming to the end of a six-month contract to turn around a failing care home in Sudbury Hill. And committees have voted, and boards have met, and staff have voted, and residents' families have made comments and I have to constantly remind them hey hang on it's not about me it's what does the, what's right for, the, for, the, for this place where I'm working because when we start to put the opinion of other people above what the organisation needs it's set to fail so was that the same for Saul so God told Samuel to go to Bethlehem to the house of Jesse he said, I have provided for myself a king amongst his sons, and you shall anoint me one of them, and I will give you his name. So Samuel did as he was directed, and he performed the sacrifice and invited Jesse to bring his sons. The first son stood before Samuel, and he was thinking in his mind, this one is tall, he's strong, handsome, yes. Surely this is the one that God has chosen. But the Lord said to, to Samuel, You are looking at his physique. I want to see what's on his heart. So one son after another came and stood before Samuel, but none were the one that the Lord had chosen. So after they had all passed by, Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And Jesse admitted, No, I've got one. He's out in the fields tending the sheep. His name was David. I wonder how David felt about being overlooked, left out, overlooked by his father. And his older brothers, wasn't he worthy or valued? 
as the youngest son we might assume that maybe he was smaller and weaker than his big strong brothers and maybe his father felt he was only capable of minding the sheep I think that often we are judged by our outward appearance when we attend an interview it's that first impression that really counts what you are wearing have you bothered to make yourself presentable do you come across as somebody who is in control of the agonizing interview situation or do you nervously laugh and fidget a lot and say um first impressions count but does the interviewer take into account your nervousness and that your rehearsed presentation has all gone pear-shaped impressions count for example had I turned up here this morning in my gardening clothes would I be giving you the right impression anyway let's get back to that scripture what was it that God saw in David and chose him to be king apart from the fact that he could sing and play a harp which aren't really kingly requirements for the job God describes David as a man after God's own heart David had something inside of himself that God could identify his heart was filled with confidence courage and commitment to the Lord and I think we have to remind ourselves that God loves us as we are and that whatever we are facing knowing that God is with us helps us to face that situation so a little bit later on in the book of Samuel 1 we read about a very quiet little David slaying Goliath with a stone but then we read on about David and Bathsheba are we seeing a very different David is this the same David that God identified as a man after God's own heart this man who became an adulterer a murderer and a liar if it was us and our royal family behaved like that we would be saying hey we're not going to put up with this who do they think they are we want to knock them off their pedestal but David more than anyone believed in a faithful and forgiving nature of God so what lessons can we learn from David's life 
honestly look more at the person rather than the outward appearance in the way God looks into the heart. We can see David as a symbol of hope. Symbol of hope for ourselves and our imperfections. Because this whole church is filled with sinners. We've all done, said, thought things that we regret. I willingly put my hands up. David was a sinner. And he was honest enough to admit it. And he turned to the only one he knew who could save him. He never stopped loving God. God never stopped loving him. Because God sees the same thing that he saw in David in each one of us. He sees the heart that's open to God's heart. And knowing that God still loves us and wants a relationship with us means that we should also look beyond the outer appearance of what we see in other people. Some years ago, a newspaper ran an advertising campaign based on the slogan, One million readers can't be wrong. The implication was that if if enough people subscribe to something, then it must be right. It's human nature to want to follow a crowd. Those who question the established norms in society are branded often as eccentrics, heretics, or even revolutionaries. Their challenge is conveniently sidestepped through the use of such dismissive labels. And sometimes questions may be misplaced, but equally they are, there are times when, when they need asking and faith having to take a critical, critical look at the values of the world it takes for granted, if it is to be true to itself. So it was for Samuel, sent by God to the house of Jesse, to anoint a new ruler over Israel. He went there imagining he was a shrewd judge of character, well able to discern God's will. And he came away recognising he had still much to learn about the ways of God who sees far deeper than most of us even begin to see. His experience counsels us never to judge by appearance and never imagine we have understood all there is to understand. So let us pray. Gracious God, we know that it's foolish to judge by the outside, yet time and time again we catch ourselves doing it even when we think we are looking deeper. 
we are still conditioned to look at the world in a way that we find almost impossible to escape from. All too often, we let superficial impressions deceive us before we jump to conclusions and pass judgment on others, help us to look again, and with your help to see deeper, recognizing that you alone can judge the heart. Amen.